Chris, you want to rep- repeat the news that you just told us? Because I think it's important, and I think it's going to inform a lot of the content of the besties moving forward. So I am just going off of some reporting I saw on TheVerge.com. But the headline... Can't trust it. Can't trust that you rag. Can't trust that rag. The headline is, Spotify will let its original podcast host include full songs in their show. And we are an original podcast of Spotify. Right. So I guess we could just break them off a little piece of, and I don't want the world to see me, cause I don't. So I could sing the whole thing, and no one could. The goo, the goo goo boys, the goo goo boys, <laughs> the couldn't boys do can't fuck get all you. about it. Mm-hmm. Can't do anything. That's strong. I like that. This show's about to get fucking good. Everybody who's been listening to this show since the beginning, it's about to get good. Yeah, get ready, cause <laughs> it's about to get fucking good. Finally. Are we going to be uh, singing karaoke style, or do you think it will become more of a musical parody act? Okay. Oh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. So we can do it like we can mix in, like we'll be singing uh, Superman by Third Eye Blind, but we might mix in some stuff about Blink's The Time Sweeper <laughs> in there. What yeah. I think we should do, What let's do the original tracks, but do like, ce- you know how celebrities are always having fun oh, yeah. syncing? Yeah, sure. We'll do that on our podcast. Right. So we'll do, we'll play the original track, but we'll lip sync it. And, and, and <laughs> you're thinking, but that, how's that work? We can't see you. We're going to make very exaggerated lip, tongue, and mouth mm-hmm. sounds. Yeah. So that you know. So it'll be a- that ASMR is going to get you. Uh, We're going straight. To the wild, wild west. <laughs> this is a punchy episode. Come for me, Cisco. Come for me. Maybe make my booty go. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I didn't know the best, like, 15% of a game of the week. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I know the best video game console of the week. My name is Russ Farshik, and I know the best D of the week, and it's D&D. Huh. Okay. Well, welcome to the Besties, where we're going to be talking about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. It's a game of the year podcast that goes all year long. It is a... Book club, but games. It is about Baldur's Gate. This week we're locking the gates, and then we're unlocking the gates, and we're opening mm-hmm. them up. And it's Baldur's Gate three, the triple. Finally, the wait is ogre. <laughs> <laughs> Ogre's in it. Chris, what's Baldur's Gate? I've already forgotten. Chris, how much did you prepare for this? Because you didn't really play Baldur's Gate. We all three of us played, but you didn't really play. So I can give the description if it's easier for you. No, I mean, like, there's, like, elves and monsters, and then you, like, collect swords and shields. I'll take it away. Baldur's Gate 3 is a game made by Larian Studios. It is based on the original Baldur's Gate series. Both Larry and his studios (laughs) pitched in on this one. Uh, Made by uh, that studio, and uh, so that studio did not work on the original Baldur's Gate games, but they did work on the Divinity Original Sin series of RPGs, which are very popular and everyone loves them, including your very own besties. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 takes a lot of uh, the ideas that were introduced in Divinity Original Sin and integrates them into the actual legit rules of uh, Dungeons & Dragons 
5e is that correct yeah fifth, fifth edition, edition. Yes. um so uh yeah it's just like kind of a very open-ended you decide how your character builds out and adventures and who you meet and who you uh romance you know you name it it's it's just one of those giant classic uh, rpgs made by a studio that is right now maybe the best studio for making rpgs so it's also it's also in early 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 access and we'll talk about that too we're going to talk about that and so much more right after this quick break y'all you already know how much i love our sponsor of the week rocket money they make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need keep the ones you want get rid of the rest here's how it works rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills they'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20 percent all you have to do is take a picture of your bill and rocket money takes care of the rest that might sound too good to be true i have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments i have and it's worked which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties y'all i have a question because i didn't play the game so i have a lot of questions i'm gonna play the game don't get me wrong i've just been a little busy but something else we'll talk about later but my question is is this a is this even a video game because i've been on twitter.com and some people have been mad that this is not hmm. a, a full video game yeah so <sighs> i s- yeah, it's not. I mean, well, we should we should. It's a video. It is. Game. It is a video it, game. For, it is. Let's talk about what yeah, it is. First. So, okay, right. It's a Dungeons and Dragons game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what it is. You're you're uh, a, a, a isometric role playing game CRPG uh, with dice rolls. Literally, I mean, you much like Dungeons and Dragons. You when you come up against a challenge, usually initiated by um, uh, conversation. You will roll on that and, and you uh, to see whether or not you succeed in a challenge. Some of those also happen automatically. For example, Dungeons and Dragons has this idea of a perception stat, uh, and when you walk by something hidden in the environment, the game automatically rolls in the background and tells you not whether or not your perception roll uh, succeeded mm-hmm. or failed. Uh, and then if it succeeds, you'll see something in the environment that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. If not, no dice. Uh, the combat is also on dice rolls in just using Dungeons and Dragons rules. I mean, y- y- and you see a lot of uh, small things. What's cool about that is Dungeons and Dragons has a lot of nuance in terms of the way you interact with the world that you maybe wouldn't see in a traditional CRPG that was built specifically with the game's own mechanics in mind. For example, um, you see things like uh, a-, a shove. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in there, which is just like I'm gonna shove that guy, and maybe he'll fall off a cliff. 
uh, that kind of interactive stuff that can happen in the moment that maybe you wouldn't see uh, because it, it it wouldn't be designed from the ground up with those uh, systems. Yeah, one, one of the things that I've noticed, so I, I've played a lot of CRPGs, but not a lot of D&D CRPGs, not to bludgeon us with the acronyms. And something that I've always been very familiar with because I've played the classic Fallout games and stuff like that is the idea of action points, right? So like, I'm yeah. going to take this special attack and it's going to use three of my 10 action points this turn. And then maybe the remaining seven points I'm going to use to run away from this guy. Because this game uses D&D rules, that is completely different to the point where you've got, uh, Griffin, can you explain the like how, how like a turn plays out and what you can do in a given turn? Yeah, I mean, this is a uh, turn-based take on D&D, which is different from, uh, I am I, not the most experienced with the old Baldur's Gate games, but I'm pretty sure they operated in that sort of pseudo real-time combat thing. Uh, the best example of this, and I think is probably a more familiar touch point for everybody, is um, uh, KOTOR. Knights of the Old Republic used, I think, advanced D&D, or maybe th- like... 3.5 or some some D&D rule set but it was in real time right like yeah. the fight was happening and and it was not turn based there was just like a period of time that passed before you would execute your next action so you would cue them out uh, this works in uh, Baldur's Gate 3 as it did in Divinity which is just straight up turn based combat there is initiative rolls uh, which is very D&D and you uh, on your turn you have a set amount of movement so a more sort of live character can move across the battlefield uh, a bit more easily. You have a standard action and a bonus action. Uh, and a standard action is something like attacking or using a big spell. Or a bonus action is something like trying to hide mm-hmm. or jumping. Or there are some some spells and abilities that don't take you know your full action. Uh, like some buffs and some heals are, are just bonus actions. And then you also have one reaction, which can be something like an opportunity attack if somebody moves away from you. Uh, that's how it yeah. works in 5e. Juice and I have been playing 5e for for six years now, and that is very, very, very familiar. And uh, I I mean, it's why I, I replayed, uh, or rather I played through all the way for the first time Divinity Original Sin 2 this year on Switch and really got into it because it was very, very similar in that you had like action points and you could only move a certain amount and you could do a certain amount. But what Divinity did that no other D&D game had ever done was that sort of lateral thinking, experimentation, improvisation, physical-based stuff. You could combine surfaces or um, knock people around the battlefield into traps that you had set. And Baldur's Gate 3 is super, super good about that stuff. Or stuff like, um, I'll give you one. You There's a spell that you can get early on if you poke around where uh, you can talk to the dead yeah any dead <laughs> like if you see it because that's a D thing right like you can cast a spell and talk to a, a corpse to see if it's got anything for you um and you and the stuff you're doing feels like really meaningful every time i was dying constantly i mean like yeah you get wiped a lot like it is savage i started again with 10 hit points so you start at level one and a level one D character is a fucking toddler like they are right. they are they can't do a whole lot and if you just run into the middle of a battlefield even if you're playing like a fighter you're gonna get shadracked uh, it feels less like a game design and more like well why did you attack that thing you know that you're a child why did you attack you should have stayed away from it it seems dangerous you shouldn't have done that. That was a really bad idea. There was a look at that thing. It's a, called a mind flare. It's got seventy hit points. Just because it's there doesn't mean you should attack it. You should run away. 
because it gives you the ability to do that, right? Yeah. I'll give you another example. <laughs> there was a there was a uh, storyline going on where oh man, I don't want to get too deep into it. Basically, you got a parasite in your brain, uh, and if you don't get it out, <laughs> bad things gonna happen. Um, and there and the the if you meet these mind flayers around, they're kind of like demonic alien type cats. If you meet them around, sometimes they can try to like control you with their mind. So I got in this bad scenario where this mean alien was stuck under some rocks and he convinced some other people to try to help him out by pretending he was their dead daughter. And I went over and helped them out. And then he was like, mm, mind control. And he mind controlled me and I got killed. Right. So I reloaded and then I just stood eight feet away and he's trapped on the rock. I'm like, arrow. <laughs> and he just died. It's like, well, yeah, of course you can do that. Sure. Why not? It's Dungeons and Dragons. You can do whatever dumb crap you want. Um, but it feels sometimes less like a video game and more like just a, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, it's not realistic, obviously, but it's flexible. Let, let me rephrase my question because I, I think hearing all this, uh, I have a different perspective now. What does it benefit the player, right? Like the average person releasing the game incomplete when it's a game that is like clearly about story like this, right? Like, is there, is there a reason that, that it is good for the player? I get why it's good for a studio, right? You get some money, you get a lot of data on like how players play. I imagine you can use that data to figure out like where you, what you want to invest in in the future. Um, but for the player, is there, is there like an obvious benefit to the game being available right now? I, I honestly think there are people that want to play these games as early as humanly possible. I am not necessarily one of those people. I prefer to play something that's more finished. But I do think people get super, super jazzed at something and want to feel like they're part of the evolution of the game. I think this game is in a better, uh, not certainly not complete because there's still a lot of issues with it, but it's in a better state than Rogue Legacy, which was, which is another early access game we talked about earlier this year, um, to the point where like it like the core uh, the core of it feels pretty baked, right? Like it works effectively how it should work. The issues that you run into are like cutscene issues or, um, you know, random crashes, stuff like that. But the core feels very wow. baked. And that core, I think, okay, is something that well. players want to mess around with. So I, <laughs> I kind of get that. Wait, can, can, we, can I address Chris Plant's question before we move into the issues? Because there are many of those. Um, I also think that for something like this, which is Dungeons and Dragons, there are people for whom having a, like, for starters, Dungeons and Dragons is a is a game that evolves with a lot of feedback from uh, the community. I mean, it's almost developed hand in hand with the community giving feedback on the game, uh, and that's why they've had so many additions. Right? You could, uh, I, I think, there are a lot of people for whom having a really solid, functional Dungeons and Dragons sort of like interactive simulator, for for lack of a better term could be down the road really uh, valuable, like could be really important to have something that could like really w do a good job of emulating Dungeons and Dragons in, in this format. And I think there's people who want to like, they enjoy being involved with that. Like they enjoy being being involved with it and, and getting to, to weigh in on it. I wanted to check out this game knowing full well that it was, you know, who wants to play the first act of a big rpg like that that in and of itself like if you put the bugs aside like who wants to play this massive grand fantasy storyline knowing that you're going to reach the conclusion of the first part of it and then not be able to 
play the rest of the story. So I think you have to have a, there's a certain type of person that knows what they're getting into when they play this. For me, the prospect of playing a genuine fifth edition video game, like a genuine Dungeons and Dragons like experience with, which I've not played with the multiplayer, but I think that also has the potential to be something like super, super cool. Uh, being able to recreate the, the table sort of goofing around experience. The biggest thing I feel like that is going to be the, the, the main thing, the, the main rough edge that they have to work out is quest progression and world like continuity, which is the biggest bug hurdle that I think people are facing. Uh, I I have definitely reached like a point where I was doing a quest and then like I just wasn't able to keep going on with it or the person that I was supposed to talk to wouldn't talk to me anymore. Uh, and when you have a game where like you are given as much freedom as this game gives you, in, in almost that sort of like uh, arcane studios, like that dishonored like yeah, way right. where it's like, oh, I could go through this whole dungeon or I could just use this jump spell to leap on top of the roof and skip all that shit. How do you keep this? How do you keep this one storyline that you were on going when you can do shit like that, which is like the Skyrim problem where Skyrim's been out for a thousand years and it still fucks that up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine it like uh, visually as a juggler just adding more balls in the air yeah. right like for every time you give it a new thing to remember that you did that the odds increase that they're all going to come crashing down um especially this early yeah it is in no just to give in case people are sort of like we should try to be clear about the scope of this for people who are thinking like to, kind of debating unfortunately i think the term early access has been done a disservice with people who want to release a game with bugs in it and not have to uh be accountable for those bugs <laughs> Uh, I think there's a lot of early access games that are like that. I think this and Rogue Legacy are, are in a category of early access where it's just like, no, listen, it is bare. I will let you walk in here, but like the house is being constructed around you. You can go and look around, but like it, it's not a fully functional like video game. You can play and get an idea of kind of what they're going for, but like uh, I, ha- I had the main storyline quest of like getting this uh, thing out of your head. Uh, the guy I was supposed to talk to about it is like, I'll meet you out in the caves. I'm like, okay. So I, this is in some like druid enclave. He's like, I'll meet you in the caves. And then I left and I come back and he's still there. <laughs> he said, I'll talk to you about this in the caves. <laughs> it's like, well, can you go to the caves? Because <laughs> I would love, very much like to talk about this. This parasite in my head. I'll meet you in the caves. Uh, and he never did. I'm di- has sir, not, I'm, dying. Not. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm yeah. dying, sir. No, listen, this is a cave thing. Trust me. <laughs> Take it from me, Zevlor. This is a cave. Look at this. I I have, this is my... a tentacle. This is a tentacle in my mouth that is yeah, coming yeah, yeah. out. I got all my tentacle shit in the caves. So we got to hit the caves real so quick. I, <laughs> and I, I just got a few more things to wrap up here. And then I'm going to be caving it, can, my man. Can I, can I also, I, I want to critique one a- other aspect. And this is an aspect that will probably make it into the final game. And I don't know how to fix this problem. I walk into fire like a lot. Like a lot. Yeah. Too much. A lot. For someone that knows I should be afraid of fire, I walk into fire a lot. And I don't know how to fix that problem because all it takes is like clicking on the wrong pixel that looks like maybe it's not on fire, but it actually is on fire. And then you lose like all your hit points. And I don't know how to address that problem. I I had a party wipe today, (laughs) this morning, caused by ensnaring roots. (laughs) Like I wanted them to go from A to B and they were like walking through the roots and they get stuck. They're like, ah, 
fuck roots i'm like okay well go walk away and then they walked the my you know wizard guy walked away he's like ah oh, fuck those fucking roots man watch out and then the rogue walks right into the roots and the rogue's like ah roots they got me this is really hurting and then the wizard is like Oh, roots, right? Hold on. I know just the thing. Let me help you with that. Walks back into the roots <laughs> to hang out with Thief Guy. Everybody is in the roots, will not get out of the roots. Um, there And there's <laughs> there's stuff like this very mundane like that, even getting around the world. Sometimes there's like a gap <laughs> where you have to jump over it. And it's like rolling on your jumps, right? Like you have a jump range and you can jump and when one character jumps, your main character jumps, not everybody like jumps over to follow them. So I'm like manually going through. It's like, okay, now you jump over. Okay, good. <laughs> Next person. All right. Now you walk over, jump. Okay. First guy, you need to move because you're not giving them room to jump. Come on kids play, play together nicely. I think that it's important to kind of compare this to divinity original sin 2, which i cannot recommend highly enough and i feel like you see the dna of what they are going for in Baldur's gate 3 so clearly in that where the big thing in divinity original sin 2 was the idea of surface interaction mm -hmm. uh so much so that like the entire sort of game classes were built around that so there was like the uh aerothurge and the hydromancer and the geomancer and like so each of those had the ability to transform the environment into different things almost in like a puzzle game style so geomancers worked with poison they could spread this poison gas throughout the battlefield and then a pyromancer could set it on fire with a fireball or a hydromancer could take a pool of water and the aeromancer could strike it with lightning and electrocute it that is happening here in Baldur's Gate 3. You can cast the grease spell on the ground and create like a slippery trap for enemies or set it on fire with, a, you know, a fire arrow or it, like there's so, 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 so many different interactions like that. But it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily, like D&D is not necessarily exactly built for that exact system mm -hmm. in mind. And so... You know, it was almost always good in uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 to have somebody with the rain spell who could just like, if you ran into a, a dungeon and there was this huge, crazy fire trap in it, you could rain on it. Or if there was some bad surface, you could rain on it and nullify it. Without that option, like always at hand, it's kind of a pain in the ass when you do like <laughs> go into a room and it's like, there's a big treasure chest in the middle, but the room's covered in grease. Well, fuck that because I don't want to spend the next five minutes just yakety saxing my way <laughs> to this to this this tomb um i yeah i don't know how they fix that but i also after playing divinity original sin 2 and seeing what they have done in this early access build and adapting fifth edition rules to a video game in a way that i've never really seen before like i have more faith in larian studios to pull this off than like really any other developer yeah on, on I, agree with that. I feel like this is a fine it is a fine proof of it's more than a proof of concept it is a fine like uh structure a fine lattice work for for what i think can be a really 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 substantial cool rpg y'all want to talk about xbox yeah yeah let's absolutely do that but uh go ahead chris start whenever you're ready no wait chris <laughs> We're gonna take a commercial oh, break. Dang Sorry it. to cut you off. <laughs> Extremely rude. Extremely rude. Wow. Who is this guy? This episode of the Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right. So, you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. 
those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I pre-ordered a PlayStation 5. I didn't pre-order an Xbox when I had the chance, and now there are no more. I felt very good about mm. this decision and the way things shook out, and now here comes Chris Plant to make me doubt myself. I like it. I like the Xbox Series X. I, <laughs> How did you get one? Because they're not out till November. Did your did uncle you steal yeah. one? My, my uncle, um, Todd Microsoft. Have you, mm. you, you've met him, right? I thought he like came to your wedding. Plant's uncle works at Microsoft. He holds it over a head all the time. He knew about the he knew about Halo part, 7 before else. <laughs> part of the uh the the Bethesda acquisition actually was that Todd Howard had to change his name to Todd Microsoft, <laughs> which seems like weirdly possessive. Um so the Xbox Series X, uh it is effectively right now the world's best Xbox 360. That is that is my selling point, which means that its appeal is for a very specific type of person. But the thing that I am loving about it is uh, it turns out being able to uh, just instantly have an entire 
catalog of games that I had already purchased for the original Xbox or 360. And then you turn on the Xbox Series X and it's like, hey, uh, remember all those old games that you like just forgot about for like the last eight years while you were busy playing games everywhere else? They still exist and um, they're pretty good. And they actually run really well now and they look gorgeous on your 4K TV. Would you like would you like to play them? You're like, yeah, yeah, I like to play them. And they're like, cool. It's actually, it's already on because loading times don't exist for these games. And it's like, what? Oh, oh, cool. And then it's like, well, actually, uh, 15 minutes of crackdown. I'm kind of bored. I want to play Hydro Thunder now. And they're like, oh, you do? Good. Because it's already loaded. Just hit this button. And you're like, what? I'm already in Hydro Thunder and I'm already beating everybody's top scores. And I'm like, yeah, you are. I'm like, oh man, I did one race, but you know what? Now I'm missing crackdown. Probably going to be a while before that game starts. Right. And they're like, no, it's just waiting for you right over here. Just click this button. I'm like, what? Now I'm back in the air and I'm stomping criminals as a suddenly very problematic um, cop character. <laughs> uh, probably was always problematic, but now uh, I am uh, keenly aware of it. As Plant continues to talk, I'm just imagining him wearing cargo shorts that have increasing numbers of pockets. <laughs> just the more he talks, the more pockets his imaginary cargo shorts it's- have. Good. It's good. Um, and that that's the pleasure of it. I, I, I wrote about this a little bit at Polygon, but I am, it's really hitting me with this generation of video game consoles that my hype is not for uh, the world's coolest graphics um, because you're not going to get them. Like, if you want that, I guess, go buy a PC and spend, you know, about two grand. Um, but finally getting the ease of use that has been available on PC for the last, I don't know, five years, and getting that on console, getting really, really fast hard drives, um, getting uh, the frame rates that just work, getting kind of the promise of the previous generation. It feels good, man. I I like it. Yeah, so that I think that all makes sense, and I, and I totally like get that selling point, but it is kind of weird that like all you're really saying is like, hey, this new console... Mm-hmm. runs these old games really super duper well mm-hmm. is that enough for people like of course it runs that sounds like novelty to me a little bit like i, I the scenario sounds cool but it's like how quickly does like it and, a, and of course thing? it runs well like these are games that are eight years old like it, they damn well better run well right no actually that's not an of course that's because most consoles don't run yeah. them at all right sure. That's like that that's the big difference and the consoles that did like had to get custom patches to make old games run better so like this isn't an assumed it's an assumed if you have a pc it is not an assumed here and even with pc how often do you go and try to play old games and it has to install yeah. an old version of DirectX or some other just doesn't, doesn't fucking work, work right like at all yeah. like i i think there's a lot of things that a lot of pc gamers will say well we've already have that and it's like ish yeah if you want to troubleshoot it for a while sure you have a lot of things and i love my pc but there is a real pleasure of playing some of my favorite games of all time and playing them instantly and that they look just fantastic the other thing that i'll say about the novelty of it and do you need it now no of course you don't need it now <laughs> you don't need any video game console launch except for maybe the switch like that's yeah. the reality of it what I think is good about this is you actually do have some incentive to own an Xbox Series X or Series S at launch. Like, there, there actually is stuff for you to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm I'm sure that the counterpoint here is that the PS5 plays uh, Spider-Man or whatever, which I guess also plays on PS4. And, I guess Demon Souls, Demon's Souls is the one exclusive, which is great. I mean, I also have a PS3, um, but I I don't think there's I with either console a like a necessity to buy one of these right now. That mm. said, if you are and I think there's like a number of people who listen to the show who fall into this category. If you went with PS4 for the last generation and don't have an Xbox, I would consider a Series X or Series S now, especially because Game Pass means you can play lots of games. I mean, we've talked about it a trillion times on the show, and I obviously am a huge like stand for it. But I I think that is a pretty sweet deal uh, right now. Yeah, I mean, there is a part of me that's like, because I was able to pre-order a, a Series X as well, and I've sort of been like vacillating on whether I need it or not. Well, need it, but want it or not. And one of the like things that is he- making me hesitate is because I played predominantly on PS4 and focused on like buying digital games. Like if it was a cross-platform game, I opted for PS4 because it ran better there. So now, while you're right, I, w- I will have a lot of 360 games that are digital that I own. I will not have a lot of digital Xbox One games because generally speaking, I went with the PS4 on that. And whether that is a detractor or not, I mean, you're right. I could sign up for Game Pass and pay a subscription fee. And I totally agree with you. It's a tremendously good deal. But I think there are also maybe people that like feel a little pot committed because of the last generation and don't necessarily want to lose those games. And a lot of those last generation games will run on PS4. But you won't be able to play PS3 games. We'll run on PS5. You won't be able to play PS3 games predominantly, but a lot of those games, the PS4 games, will run on PS5. So I don't know. I, I, I the, I'm kind of torn on it, to be honest. I a couple questions, Chris. Yes. One, do you have, and can you talk about like, do you have actual launch games, or did they just send you the the hardware to mess with? Well, what on earth could that mean? <laughs> what on earth could that mean? I, I've played two. I've played Dirt Five. Um, which is actually interesting because I'm not a huge Dirt fan, uh, but it's made by the studio that did Onrush, which was also like largely mm. the leftover people from the team that did MotorStorm. Mm. Um, and it's like pretty arcadey um, races, and it's all about like surfaces. So you like are on mud or just this like weird like watery surface. Is, is there like another hard- surface that you might be on? Uh, uh, ice. Oh, ice. Anything else? Uh, rocks. Okay. Yeah. I, I can go about, all day. What about small, small, super ground up rocks? Yeah, yeah, gravel. I think that's what it's called. Oh, okay. Damn it. Uh, um, um, pavement. No. No, that's, that's wrong. Sand. Small rocks held together by cement. Sand, no. What about Not like br- what about like brown sand? Uh, dirt. That kind of clear. <gasps> yeah, oh, yeah. dirt. Five. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes. Okay. So, I- anyway. The it looks uh, very very good. Um, their games have always looked fantastic. It is the game that uh, has a 120 frames per second mode, which mm. is very cool. Um, it works on one TV. Uh, the LG, well, I guess the new LG CX, also the old LG C9. Um, I have one of the C9s and I tested it. Very neat. Do I think anybody should rush out to buy a next-gen console so that they can play games at 120 frames per second? No. Can you see that? Definitely not. Can you um, see it? What? Is, is it visible? Can you, like, it, really... It, it, is, it is noticeable. 
Um, but it, it, at a certain point, it is diminishing returns after you sure. get past 60 frames per second. For, for like the average person, I would say. Yeah. I, I think if you're competitive um, esports, obviously that's very different. Uh, so that's, that's that. The thing that is way more interesting uh, is I started playing the new Yakuza, which is the oh turn-based Yakuza. Yeah. It rules. It is. I cannot wait for all of you to play this game so we can talk about it on the show. It rules so much. It is so funny. It is so charming. And I was really skeptical. I'm not a big turn-based combat fan. I liked the more like uh, just smash buttons, break people's skulls uh, combat of the previous Yakuza games. Turns out I was wrong. Um, turns out it, the game is much better as a turn-based combat game because you travel with your entire party, which is a ton of different characters. And now instead of it just being you uh, going around uh, town, getting weird jobs and having odd fighting things, uh, it is an entire squad of people. So you become a gig economy worker. You spend a lot of time picking up uh, recycling cans. You uh, travel across uh, Yokohama taking photos of uh, Kappa uh, statues. Mm-hmm. Um one of my uh, uh this isn't great uh but the the woman in my group uh she is well put together and she uh has an attack with a uh hair uh iron that scolds people uh you have a person who uh yeah you have a person who has a frying pan as a weapon um it's all very 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 silly and very wonderful i'm looking forward to that let's well but why don't we I mean, well, I had I had one I had on one last it. I had one last oh, follow up about, sorry. and this was like the thing I actually give a shit about is the like system architecture, like the actual interface of it, because that was like anytime I would turn on the Xbox One, which is very rare to like play a game, and I was met with the like squares, the the the, the squares yes. and the extremely slow loading main menu of the Xbox One. I it was a a big hurdle. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you can talk about so, that for, for this. I don't want to say a ton just because I know that they're like still updating it and there's still like a little bit of time between now and then the things that I can say it runs fine smoothly. I have had zero trouble finding my games. I did not have the same reaction turning it on that I did when I turned on the Xbox one, which was why did you do this to me? Um, I mean, yeah. I think it's important to remember the Xbox one user interface was designed with Connect at its center. That's why it was right. so opaque, because they just Shitty. wanted you to just say what you needed. And yeah. then they had to retroactively remove all of that piece by piece, and it made for just, I think, a, a terrible experience for most of the Xbox One's life cycle. The, uh, honestly, it's funny that I say that. I wonder how much of my love of this console is like, oh, yeah, finally. Like, a true sequel to the Xbox 360. Like, it's just a great video game console. Just put fucking blades yeah. on it, man. Give me a button I can press and just turn on blades. <laughs> blades it up. Um, also, uh, it looks not so bad. I was I was a little worried about this um, little PC looking funky in the living room. It's not as hideous or I mean, intrusive. Yeah, as it I, doesn't as look I hideous. It, you could, it looks like something you can ignore, which you can't really say about the PS5. The PS5... It makes no. a statement, and that statement is inverted ice cream sandwich on your TV. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it looks like um like a yoga block, like a black yoga yeah, block. Yeah, which you can ignore. Mm. Like, it just fades into the, yeah. into the background, which is honestly my preference of how gaming consoles should be. I don't want 
Sony to or Microsoft to decide how my living room looks. Let me do that. It, it's it, you know magic eye pa- posters all over the walls. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so just one one more thought to go back to Justin's point, which is more about like how do the games play versus like what the games are. I think when you asked about next gen games, so they the, Microsoft has I don't know the very jargony velocity architecture mm. is their like response for like how their NVMe mm. SSD works really well, which is your storage, and I will say. The load times on the next-gen games are small. On Yakuza, there like is a load time, but it's not bad. On Dirt 5, I would be in like the select, the race select mode, hit a button, and I'm just like in the race, um, which is great. Wow. Not to be like a total skeptic about it, but I do think a lot of this has to do with the fact that we are obviously even before the generation has even started. And it sort of seems like these are features that will, over time, as with any generation, over time, be less and less precise, right? Like three years down the road, a Halo game or whatever fable is not necessarily going to load in an instant because it's pushing more of the hardware. I I would wager first party games are for sure going to leverage that. Uh, For me, it's like games that are going to be made sort of system agnostic it is harder for them to like build all of their shit around a certain like uh, hard drive infrastructure on a on a console. I don't know. I w- that that is. I feel like Fable is going to absolutely have the fast load times because they are making it for the fast load times for the Xbox. And also, like if you again think about previous console generations, that was not the case with the Xbox One. I mean, I remember Zoo Tycoon or whatever it was called having some serious load yeah, times. Yeah, sure, like, even at launch. I, I, I do think you're yeah. right. It's the same thing. Like you know, a lot of people have asked me about. Um, you know, is it loud? It's like, no, of course it's not loud. Like <laughs> it's new. My PS4 Pro was a whisper the the day that I turned it on for the first time, and now it. It screams at yeah. me. But with all your with all your smoking that you do, it's built what up I, all your vapor. <laughs> I also just blow it directly a... into the PS4 Pro. Um, I had one last question regarding file sizes. How big is Dirt 5? How big is Yakuza? Uh I I honestly I, I, I do not know. I know okay. they're large. I, I, I mean it's all in memory card blocks, <laughs> yeah. right? So it's like sixty-four. I, the reason I, I ask is, as I understand it, the Xbox Series X out of the box has eight hundred and fifty some odd yeah. gigs free. Once you account for the UI and the interface and everything like that, so like so, enough space for Call of Duty Warzone and maybe like one other game, right? Yeah, Castle yeah, Crashers I, and Call of Duty Warzone. I, I think they'll, that obviously is going to fill up pretty quick. Um, the one thing that I thought was interesting, and Digital Foundry uh, made a video about this is for backwards compatibility, it doesn't seem like it's using the high-end velocity architecture or whatever yeah. for, for load times. It, it, you can get pretty good uh, improvements just off of, I guess it's because of the CPU. Again, I, I'm, I'm going off of things that are outside my brain. Um, but you can get an external um, SATA SSD and just plug it into the back of uh, your Xbox and put all of your backwards compatible stuff on that and you still hmm. see significant improvements over the Xbox One load times, mm-hmm. um, like significant, yeah. significant, significant. So, I think like that's what I'm planning to do. You know, rather than even getting the fancy, custom, you know, direct into the motherboard uh, thing, uh, yeah. just getting one of those. It's like I don't know two terabytes, and putting most of my stuff on that, and just putting any of the new uh, next gen games onto the onto the custom. 
hard drive. Yeah. Well, has anyone been convinced? I'm just curious to wrap this up. Oh, okay. Um, have I been convinced? Um, I think that I probably am still okay waiting, but I think that, well, I mean, it's kind of out of my hands, right? Like, I'm not going to go through the hoops that I would need to to pre-order one before mm-hmm. launch, I think. But uh, when the time comes, I think I'll be a little bit more... Um, the I, Let me tell you this. The plant is describing that I've gone back and forth on which console is my main console in the past few generations. And I think that this, like I was primarily Xbox 360, now I'm primarily PS4. Plant is listing the kind of things that would make me inclined to make this the predominant console uh but uh, uh, not necessarily one that i'm like sure rushing to yeah to and and to be clear i don't I'm, i really don't want to convince anybody i i think for most people you should probably wait like i, I think we'll know a lot more about both of these consoles in early to mid 2021 and if you have a current generation console it will more than enough get you there unless you're the type of person who just really likes to play games at their like maximum graphic potential like i i don't think anybody needs to rush just yet uh do we want to do mail or we want to talk about what else we've been playing do we have mail we we have some mail uh i'll I'll just i'll give do a couple questions really quick uh this uh question is from dylan uh can i play baldur's gate 3 if i've never played any baldur's gate games before yes Yes. Yes, I never have. So I think I mean there's there's a certain amount of like tone that you learn about uh with with uh, playing the the past Baldur's Gate games, but I think I've only played Baldur's Gate 1 and like the first few hours of 2 and I don't feel like I am missing anything. Here's something for you. I don't even know what Baldur's <laughs> Gate is. I've heard a few people in the world like, God, I miss Baldur's Gate. The fish were so good. I'm like, I don't know yeah. what that is. What is it? Cool is gate. it a gate? Is that I a place? I think the analog is the Elder Scrolls series, which is to say most people have not played all the Elder Scrolls games. The, there are car- things that carry over. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, there are like mythical godlike creatures that might show up and you'll be like, oh, I remember him from the last game, whatever. But generally speaking, no, it doesn't fucking matter. I'd say the bigger institutional knowledge is fifth edition. Yeah. Like if you've played, I, I felt genuinely yeah, for from sure. the start, like I did not really need to do most of the tutorial in Baldur's Gate 3. If you know how to play fifth That's edition. That's interesting, Griffin. I didn't really think of it from that perspective. There's going to be a lot. That that UI is going to look pretty wild to you if you're like, well, why would I do a sneak? How can I do a sneak attack? If I'm not sneaking up on Yeah, I was actually a little overwhelmed because of that, because I haven't played a ton of fifth edition. So it was th- that is definitely something that I don't know, will take some learning if you haven't played that. Uh, the other thing, can I say one? I should have said it back in our Baldur's Gate discussion, but the, the other big thing that will throw you, you will see percentages on ranged attacks that and also on melee attacks that you would associate in almost every other game for the percentage. Uh, oh, God, how can I explain this, Griffin? the likelihood that your weapon will connect with the target that you right. are trying to hit. And in D&D, those percentages more reflect how good the target is at... Dodging? Dot, really? Right? I mean, like, yes. It's not, so when I yes. see 95% so like when I'm shooting an arrow at someone, it's not 95% chance to hit? It is 95% chance to hit. Yeah. But it's chance to hit is... Okay, chance to hit if you take that as a, as a static thing, right in almost er, like in, if you're playing, um, what is it? Um, XCOM chance to hit is my bullets got to go over this, you know, through this grate, and he's a hundred meters away from me and it's going to be harder for me to hit them. 
in Dungeons and Dragons chance to hit also factors in like how good they are dodging and their armor class, which is like the the amount through which they can like the chance that they have to not get but it can also attack. be increased with things like advantage which is an important system but i i will say to the to the game's credit they are really good at uh explaining those numbers there's a little pop-up box that like if you're aiming at somebody and you only have a 30 percent chance to hit it'll explain like well you're too close yep. they have higher ground and you are currently threatened by another attack so if you can remedy those and you can get high and now you have advantage that number is going to jump up to like 96 yeah i like that i think that's smart fun. uh here's a here's another question for y'all what else are y'all playing right now um, I've, I've been playing a game called Cubism, uh, which is a VR game. It's on, on Oculus Quest, and I believe it's on main Oculus as well. Uh, but it's really excellent on Quest. Um, it's very hard to describe without it sounding very boring, but effectively it is, uh, you know, like tangrams. The idea is you've got this cube and you're trying to fill it with different pieces like Tetris blocks, basically. And that's the entire game. But the presentation of the game is so simple and clean, and there's some classical music playing in the background, and you really just sit at a, you know, in a normal chair. You don't need to do like crazy VR somersaults, and just slowly and methodically like spin the puzzle around and solve these puzzles. And I just found it really soothing. I think a lot of VR is designed to be transport you to another world or be a total like, uh, you know, mind fuck. But in this case. Uh, I think cubism does an excellent, excellent job at just being like, hey, here's this like kind of meditative, thoughtful thing to take you away from maybe like a stressful day or something like that. So highly recommend that. Uh, I've been spending my free time playing Animal Crossing. What? Uh, yeah, it's been nice. I don't know that the stuff they've added has been so transformative that like there is that much of a reason to get back in if you've fallen off. But for me, it is seeing what the community has been mm-hmm. making. Like there are these these town genres that have like organically been created things like oh well this is a cottage core island and this is and you now have like it is much much easier to go out there and find inspiration for how to design your shit which makes it sort of apparent the pitfalls that i fell into when laying out my town like i made it so orderly that it um it now it looks weird to me how orderly it is so i've just been going through and like pretty methodically destroying the town like pretty methodically knocking down mountains and filling in rivers so that i can have a clean slate to start over uh and that's been really uh satisfying for me it's just slow fucking going but it's you know i have a 300 flowers growing in this one field that i want to just tear out so yeah. that takes like forever but if you can get in sort of a zen like flow about it it's been it's been pretty enjoyable uh i've been playing hades which i know we've talked about a couple times but Wow, that game. Uh, Good fucking game, man. Hey, bud, I'm still playing the best game of the year, and it is just keeps getting better. I've now completed it uh, four times, I think, with different weapons. Um, It is... It's a good game. Superb. I just want to go play it again. Uh, It's fantastic. What's your favorite weapon at this point? Oh, man, I really go back and forth. I just finished upgrading the... uh, chaos yeah. shield yeah. where like after you do your bull rush you throw yeah. five shields <laughs> uh and it is it feels completely completely broken it's fantastic also the uh the the heart seeking bow where you if you hit someone with your regular attack when you fire your multi-shot special all of the multi-shot will home in on that enemy um and it is get them delicious. get them magnet fists the magnet fists i will is 
still the absolute best time. And getting the splash boons on that. So you like yeah. knock him away and yo-yo him. That is just just beat the game with that with that run last night. That's so fun. Juice, you been playing anything? Uh mainly Hades. I talked about Solitaire Conspiracy. I finished that. Um very good. Very enjoyable. I can't believe Mike Bithell made a, a fucking Sega CD game about Solitaire in the year <laughs> of our Lord 2020 and but it is very, very good. I downloaded it and played 15 minutes of Genshin. Oh Impact, boy, yeah, bud. And I, I may go back just so I could, t- I may play it just so I can force you guys to listen yeah. to me talk about it. I, even if I don't I would go enjoy on that, it, I, I would, would go on that worth. journey with you. I feel like, yeah, yeah. I same. Let's get in there. I know you finished uh, Paradise Killer too. Oh my God! Yeah, Paradise Killer. Thank we you. We talked Griffin. about it last week a little oh, bit. We talked about it last week, Chris, when you weren't here. Game, it fucking rips. Frush Dick, have you played it? I have not played it now. Oh, Frush Dick, it's it's so good. Oh God, if you uh, I, here's Griffin yeah. mentioned Oberdin, and I think it's very close. I mean, it's like it's it's very different <laughs> in terms very. of like the aesthetics and the the tone, but like it. I have never played something that like. Imagine if David Lynch had payoffs for things, <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, wow, this is really weird. I hope something happens with it, and it's like, oh my god, something <laughs> is happening with it. That's so wild. I love David. He Lynch, hates payoffs. That is that is the satisfaction that you want yeah. from his stuff. It, it is the Daytona USA team made Obra Dinn. It is the like the weirdest Sega energy, and they got weirdly, weirdly, very, very horny in the middle of making it, and <laughs> so horny, extremely Tingles. horny, and also I don't know what vaporwave is, but it's extremely <laughs> vaporwave. And enough said, I think, about that. Period. It's, it is. End of it sentence. is definitely going to be up there for me. I think. I think it's. Yeah. I think it is a contender uh, by its tone alone, and and you should play it. Next week, we're uh, going down to talk about some spooky games. New spooky games to give you the shivers and scares in this most frightening season. Oh, oh no. Because we didn't we didn't want to do a whole episode about Genshin Impact. <laughs> <laughs> or Crash. Crash Bandicoot. The bad Bandicoot. Blood. He's back. Uh, you guys bought this last game so hard that they accidentally made it. Everybody bought it as a goof, and then they're like, you like this? Fine, here, go. Uh, uh, we are a Spotify original podcast you can follow and listen for free on Spotify, and it would mean so much to us as we as we round, uh, we're headed into the, the home stretch of this year. Uh, the future of whether or not there will be more besties depends on you, our beloved listeners, uh, sharing the show. Besties.fan is the link to uh, share. You can also uh, send us some mail, mail at besties.fan. If you have a, you know what, it would actually be really helpful. If you have a genuinely spooky game, um, uh, uh, not like, oh, it's so scary how good Fortnite is. You know, like a real scary game that came out this year. Uh, let us know. Give us a shout. Mail at besties.fan. Um, that's going to do it for us for this week. So until next time, uh, thank you for listening besties and join us again next week for the besties because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games.
Seeds is a Spotify original podcast in association with Fox Media. The show is edited by Jelani Carter and produced by Ben Hosley. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties!